Millennials versus the world. Go get you a woman, stop messing with girls. We tryna enhance, we tryna advance. Society got you all stuck in a trance. Like zombies when y'all walk. Killing men's about to whip out the chalk. Now let's sit down, have a little talk. Podcast game, we got it on lock. Millennials versus the world. 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 What up, what up, what up, man? We got the Millennials vs. World podcast popping off. You already know it's your boy K.Mims. Checking in with you all on this Wild Wednesday. So, shout out to everybody that sent me um, questions and topics to talk about. We got a great session ahead of you. The only spot you get authenticity and entertainment at the same time, good people. So, let's touch on something real quick for the culture, and then we're going to bounce back on the Q&A. Can we please stop making this a Jay-Z vs. Colin Kaepernick thing, please? Like... I'm not going to get into the details about who thinks who's right, who thinks who's wrong. Can we just, like, stop making it a us versus us, a, a us versus us thing and stop thinking that somebody's method is better than the other? Do I think it was strategic? Yes. What Jay-Z did. Do I think it was strategic? Yes. Do I think there's a plan to his madness? Yes. But if the whole goal was to bring awareness to you know, social injustice and things of that nature, which Colin started kneeling for, let's kind of be happy that we kind of getting a dog in a fight. And I said kind of because we don't know how it's going to play out. But, hey, I'm off that. We're going to get to these topics, bro. And these topics, we're going to go in. And if you listen to this, I need you to inbox me because uh, we're going for the juggler, man. So uh, I am doing a, before the year is out, I am going to do a live panel podcast, the first ever by Millennials vs. the World. I'm looking for six to eight people with open minds, diverse. We're going to have some good conversation, play some real games. We're going to talk about some real subjects that will really change the game as far as podcasting go. All the, you know, as you know, I like to talk about relationships, life, business, education, uh, you know, the black community, black excellence, all things of that nature. So I am looking for six to eight people, not including myself, uh, diverse in thinking, I want you to be really diverse and thinking, really open and ready to talk about the nitty gritty conversations. We're going to disagree with ideas and not people. We're really going to vibe out in this panel uh, podcast. It's going to be the first one ever for the Millennials vs. the World podcast. If you are listening, please, please, please DM me if you're interested. All right. So on the books, number one, uh, somebody sent me nesting. And again, I told you, like I said, I'm not going to share anybody's personal information. Uh, somebody sent me nesting. If you don't know what nesting is. Uh, nesting is a real sticky one. I've never heard of this before, uh, now, but nesting is like when you're married and you don't want to separate yet and it's it's husband and wife or, you know, wife and wife, whatever the case may be, but the parents spend opposite times at the house. So like if we have kids and I'm married to my wife while I'm home, she's away. And when she's home, I'm away. So that's nesting. And somebody was like, what's the feelings on that? Because they was like, it's all about the kids. And, you know, it gives the kids the best chance and the kids need to be able to grow and this, that, and the third, uh, pause. Let's go here with it. I think one thing that people misunderstand, and I get the idea of nesting. It's kind of like not having to move the kids around and hopefully, you know, when the kids are home, they'll at least have both parents throughout the day, but maybe not together. But my thing is this, if your kids are young, young, would they even, if y'all are adults and y'all can have a conversation, would they even know? That y'all separated? Like, let's say the kid is one or two. Like, would they even know that y'all separated? Because, I mean, 
let's be clear. Like, yeah, they'll know they're getting moved around, but like, that's the conversation later. I don't think nesting will really be beneficial if the kid is young enough where y'all can move out and then not really be a part of their memory bank, for lack of a better term. Uh, I get the idea that people are trying to, you know, invest more in their kids, but the biggest mistake, well, I don't have kids. I'm just speaking from my perspective and what I've seen and how I grew up. I think the biggest mistakes that people that people make when it comes to standing together for kids is that kids know they may not verbalize it and they may not say it, but when they get asked questions outside of the home, uh, simple things like, you know, uh, how's your dad doing? They may say like, I don't know. He wasn't home for dinner last night. And people that know that y'all were together may know something's up. So I think nesting could work if you're really, if you plan to work it out. So nesting is a step to actually separate. But I think that nesting could work if you're, if you need to separate for a little while to figure out what you need to do. I'm not sure that if it was my situation, I would do nesting because I believe the more time you can't fix a problem spending time alone. So when I say spending time alone, I mean like you can't be working at a problem. I'm in my apartment, you in your apartment. And we just basically like treading water, crossing paths whenever we see it's best. Um, so, and another thing I wrote down, I think nesting comes into play when people have a, a, a aura to, to, to uphold or, or a facade to uphold for everybody else to make it seem like the house is still intact and things of that nature. I think nesting is the most dangerous, honestly speaking, when the kid is like elementary, middle school age, because I think they, it's either y'all going to stay together or you're not. Like, is your commitment to yourself? And your, is your commitment to yourself, is your commitment to your marriage, is your commitment to your kids? Unpopular opinion. Uh, your commitment is actually to your spouse. You know, you went in front of God for your spouse, even if they were pregnant or not. Your kid, obviously, y'all should love them the same. And the kids, loving the kids should be number one. But that's an agreement from spouse to spouse that our kid is number one. That's not an understood thing. I think a lot of people go wrong when they think that uh, having a kid oh my God, I love your kid more than you love anybody. I'm not saying you should not do that. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is when when you're married and you have children, I think most people think it's understood, but yes, I love my wife or you love your husband, whatever the case may be. You all make a conscious decision to love the kid more and put everything into the kid. Now, let me say this again. No, I do not have kids. No, I do not have kids. But I really don't see how nesting would be beneficial if neither one of us are in the house at the same time. A, let's look at the money. I'm paying for an apartment or a hotel to stay when I'm not there. You're paying for a hotel and apartment to stay when you're not there. And then we're paying for the house together. That's essentially taking money out of the kids' pockets. Not literally, but figuratively. So uh, that's my pitch on nesting, bro. Like, I don't think that's something that would necessarily benefit older kids you know i mean excuse me younger kids because they wouldn't remember but if people wanted to take it take it to that level in order to you know figure out what they wanted mm, i don't know bro y'all let me know that nesting one is a real tough one because in 2019 we should be able to have conversations if we don't want to be together and in marriage i think especially if a woman is down for nesting she's really already left mentally she's already left and, if, and with co-parenting, we can really, really, really figure out uh, a good way to have the kids. Even if the kids live with one parent during the week and another parent's allowed to visit, you know, at specific times, not can't pop up, but allowed to visit. 
and then they go to another parent's house on a weekend or every other weekend. That could work. That's one co-parenting plan. Uh, some kids can move during the week. So, you know, there's other ways around nesting. There's other ways around nesting. But my opinion on, on it is, like, if you're nesting, you might as well be an adult about it. Make the transition as smooth as possible for the kids when it comes to separating. And you really got to have a conversation, like, are we ever going to get back together? Nesting could play a part if you're trying to get back together because, like, you got to work on the problem. You, you understand what I'm saying? And nesting may make the kid feel like it's their fault because what if you get into it with your spouse while she's coming in and you leaving? And then, like, you argue with him, him or her. They walk in. They walk out. You walking in. And now you got a bad attitude around your kids. And they just happy to see you. But you pissed off with whatever exchange you just had. So it'll take a next level of adulting to do nesting, bro. That's my spill on nesting. Y'all let me know. I think nesting. So, again, nesting is like if they're separate before separation, we have a home. I ha I'm the husband. I have a wife. We have kids. When my wife is in the house, I am not in the house. When I am in the house, my wife is not in the house. And we just communicate and make the schedule so the kids stay in one centralized location. Will we cross paths? Yes. I don't know how I feel about the nesting thing. I think it's new and it's scary in a sense because that's like avoiding. That's like the most passive aggressive way to handle a problem, in my opinion. Uh, so that was topic number one, nesting, man. Y'all let me know what y'all think about that. Topic number two. Topic number two. Shout out to the person that gave me topic number two. I think it's a dope topic. I think this topic needs to be talked about more and more because as we grow and as you get older, I know as I'm pushing the 30s club, I'm starting to realize, man, it takes a lot to keep family members together. Toxic family member relationships. And is it okay to cut them off? How do y'all want to? How do y'all want to flip the burger? Are there toxic family relationships? Absolutely. Is it okay to cut them off if they doing next level grimy toxic stuff? Yes, but I'm a fan of loving from a distance, and let me explain what I mean loving from a distance. If you are wrecking my mental peace, my emotional peace, and things of that nature, and me and you just can't get along, we're gonna have to be in two different places at most times. So that means if you ever call my phone and needed something, I don't love you any less. I'm just not all up under you all the time where we got to go through it, got to get into it because I can eliminate that aspect of my life if I'm not dealing with your BS all the time. So I wouldn't say cut them off. I would not say cut them off. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm a firm believer that family is family. And at the very end of the day, unless they do something like the ultimate grimy level, like mess with your spouse, cheat on you. They done did something like, like cheat your spouse, cheat on you with a family member. The ultimate disrespect. I don't think you can come back from that, but cutting them off is a bit far. You know what I'm saying? Because I think all problems can be worked out. And I think that everybody should be willing enough to come to the table and talk about the problem because toxic family, uh, toxic family relationships come from two things. A miscommunication B jealousy. It's the only two things that cause toxic family, uh, uh, toxic family relationships. If somebody is jealous of you, you never really find out until you're either away from that person or like where you all are in life is so far from each other that the jealousy just comes out. So jealousy really caused toxic family relationships because people don't understand that like, I feel like if I'm winning, my family winning. Because at the very end of the day, whatever I'm trying to get done, whatever I'm trying to do, I'm going to pour back in my family one way or another. And I'm not necessarily talking about money, but, like, it may be throwing an event every year where my family can come and don't have to worry about everything. But when it comes to people that don't really care, because 
your family are just people. I know that sounds harsh, and I know blood is thick in the water, and I know all that BS. Your family members are just people. Yes, you may have the same parents, same your dad is my mom, sister, whatever the case may be. You need to understand they're just people. And I'm not going to say they have their own agendas, but they're just people that have attitudes, that have problems within themselves, and stop thinking you exempt or they're exempt because they're your family members. Sometimes family will do you the worst because they feel like they know the most. So what I mean by that is if you're going through the grinder with some of your family members and they saw you when you was down and y'all supported each other while you was down, and then like when you're on the come up, they're on the come up as well. But say you at an accelerated rate, and they're not. So like your come up is the real come up. They're coming up and it's there. Like when people have seen what you've gone through to get there or feel like they were a part of what you're going through to get there, it tends to, unless, you know, there's a 50, I'm going to say 70, 30 chance. There's a 70% chance when the going gets rough. It's like, her really do? Like you switched up on me, da, 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 uh, And I think that with family members, it's a little more, you know, in tune because you... We're living together. You came up in the same house. You ate dinner at the same table. Uh, you you went to the same Christmas. You did all that. Uh, so don't cut them off. Don't cut them off. Don't cut them off. I would say try to have a conversation because, bro, it's like when you say toxic, they ain't really, you got to fix toxic, bro. I'm not going to ever say, I'm not going to say you to cut them off. Love them from a distance. Like bag back at least. I, if you call them, if y'all used to talk every day, uh, once a month, text messages, just bag back a little bit. Because sometimes we give people space. Uh, when you give people space, it helps them think through, dang, did I do this? Because a lot of people can be reflective when they're by themselves. If people don't appreciate your presence, give them the gift of your absence. If people don't appreciate your presence, give them the gift of your absence. And it's not easy. Especially if the person that you're talking to or the person that, you know, you're going through this with, you you were really close to at one point, things of that nature, it'll get better. You got to be willing to fix it, but don't cut them off. I think cut off causes more damage in some cases. And I know that ain't necessarily, <laughs> I know you probably going to hear this and be like, they already cut off. No, don't cut them off. Love from a distance. Give them the space. Don't wreck your mental peace, your your emotional peace, your, your everything that's peaceful about you. Don't do that. Don't interrupt your grind to entertain excuse me, to entertain BS, do not do that. But in the very same note, family is family. I do not believe on turning your back on family. However, I will give you some distance for you to love yourself and for me to love myself, but do not cut them off. Do not cut them off. Money is the next subject, but I think I'm gonna leave money for the end because like y'all know I've done financial empowerments and all that, those different things. We were rocked out, but um, there were uh I'm I'm sorry I'm scrolling down this list, uh co-parenting co-parenting it kind of goes into the nesting thing no let's skip let's go to money so with money let's talk about this uh we're not gonna talk about money having it let's talk about managing what you're trying to get in life so this is probably for my young people my people in their early twenties something that um is really tough to realize if you don't know if you don't know. I'm a, I am a math teacher. I do teach financial, uh, financial literacy in my school. I try to get those things done. And, uh, so first, first and foremost, let's go off somebody. Let's say we're making 30 K. We're not going to make two. We're not going to make it. No, let's say 40 K 40 K. Uh, you're fresh out of college. Uh, you still got your car from high school, still living in your college apartment. 
Uh, you have $10,000 of student debt. Uh, first things first, uh, do not, and I repeat, do not go buy a new car. Do not go buy a new car. Not because you can't afford it, because you need to adjust to your $40,000 lifestyle. The first step in managing your finances is knowing what lifestyle or how much your lifestyle costs. If you go from not having a car payment to having a $150 car payment, you will never know what you were doing with that $150 until you're not able to do it anymore. And now you done bought this car and now you were buying groceries with that 150. Now you're putting it in the car. Now you hungry and now you got to make a decision. So first things first, know how much your lifestyle costs. And with that, with that comes knowing what you like to do. Everybody is not a homebody. Everybody's not a clubber. Everybody is not the same person when it comes to money. Understand what you like to spend your money on. If you like good eats, put a budget for good eats. I'm going to cook during the week. I'm going to have good eats on the weekend because I like to do this. I'm going to spend X amount on that. So always, no matter how much you make, because I don't know if you heard this phrase, it can take what you make. So it doesn't matter if you're making 100000 if your lifestyle is costing you 100000 So the first step is know your lifestyle and how much it's costing you. Uh, if I'm making 40,000, I just got out of college. The first thing that needs to be taught in every home in the African American community, no matter what is pay yourself, pay yourself. When you get your check, you pay yourself. And I'm telling you right now, y'all think it's so minute. I don't care if it's $10. I don't care if it's $10. If it's $10, pay yourself. Pay yourself first and foremost. When you get a check, you transfer that to your savings. I don't care how much you pick that amount and you stick to it and make it somewhere where you cannot see it. We can't go old school drug dealer way, putting the twenty dollars in the uh, in the pocket so we in a pocket in the closet on a shirt we don't ever wear, and then you know I keep doing it, keep doing, it, and then I mess around and find it later or lose it. No, pay yourself. Stop making excuses. Give up. That McDonald's you eating every Friday when you get paid, stop, give up that, that bottle, whatever it is. And you can buy a bottle if you paid yourself, pay yourself first, hands down. I don't want to hear it. When you get paid, pay yourself. That's the first step. Once you pay your steps, yourself, prioritize your bills, prioritize your bills, everything. Groceries are a bill. Gas is a bill entertainment is a bill no it's not a bill that comes in the mail like hey you need to pay this but if you're behind like to go out and you're trying to maintain you need to treat it as a bill prioritize it and write out your budget so now i've gotten paid i've paid myself i laid out the blueprint to what makes my house go my lights my cable uh my groceries my gas my internet whatever whatever things you have in your home whatever things you have in your home you need to prioritize those after you have paid yourself. If you are in a position where you can't pay yourself a lot, I don't care if it's $5. Because in 20 weeks, that $5 is $100. In 40 weeks, that $5 is $200. So in a whole year, that $5 is over, uh, what is that, $320? Or, yeah, $320. Do that. Stop, stop, stop not paying yourself. You have to do it first. You have to do it first. So you've paid yourself, you checked your bills, uh, you've paid those things out. Budget, 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 budget your fund. If you want to budget your fund, make sure that you pick a night. When I say fun, don't be doing um, 
whole um weekends. No, that we passed that part. If you want if your fun is taking a week trip every year to a different country, make sure that you putting money away for that. But you can't be saving for that trip and going out every weekend doing everything you want to do. No, it's going to be grind time. Sometimes you got to sit your tail in the house and be bored and find other ways to entertain yourself. And I thought about this just now in minute 19. A lot of times people don't know what they truly like because some things you truly like doesn't cost you money. I like going running. It sounds so crazy, but I can go run on an afternoon, come in, take a shower, and I'll be good because I got my sweat in. I got my run in. That's cool. I'm a movie. I love movies. I can sit in the house and watch a movie. You know, if I'm not grinding it out and I'm not in the streets doing what I got to do, when I say in the streets, I mean driving for lift. I don't think it's crazy. But if I'm if I'm not doing what I got to do, like, or out there hustling, networking, whatever the case may be, all I'm saying is, all I am saying is, Make sure you find some free fun. Now, granted, I live in a city like District of Columbia, or live by a city like District of Columbia, and they have those different things, but find something where you can sit your behind down. Find out your fun and budget it out. Find out your fun and budget it out. Last but not least, understand. This may be first, but after you've paid yourself, you prioritize, you've uh, budgeted out your entertainment, you need to go through this about six months journey figuring out what's necessary and what's a luxury when you the reason why i say six months everybody's like why not at the beginning because if you're a college kid or you're a young person that just went from making eight dollars an hour to forty five thousand fifty thousand sixty thousand you're going to blow a little bit of bread like let's just be clear about that and i'm not saying that is right but unless you're just a financial guru at the age of 18 or whatever and you get a good paying job at 23 22 23 you're going to blow some bread. So let's understand that some some bread is going to get blown in this scenario. It happens. Cool. Understand what's necessary for you. Clothes, obviously. Um, uh, it's different for everybody. Like me, uh, I do like clothes. But it's not a thing where every weekend I'm going out shopping. Hair products. You got to budget all the way down to the T. Hair products, clothes, undergarments everything that if you want to if you if you just got into a new apartment and you're doing your thing and you want to uh decorate that is a nest you know that's a necessity so you have to go look at how much your things are going to cost and how much can i afford to, to get that so when you're budgeting outside of paying yourself you're like okay i'm gonna put 50 dollars away in addition to saving paying myself so in three paychecks i'm able to buy this couch that i want or whatever the case may be so you have to know what is necessary in order um you have to know what's necessary in order for you to weigh out how you spend your money. So understand the best thing about having money and having a lifestyle that you can maintain. It gives you a lot more ownership as time goes on, because hypothetically speaking, when you get a job, you don't get paid less. You get paid more over time. So if you are able to budget on a lower scale, when you actually start to make more money, you get a $5,000 raise, $10,000 raise, you can actually save that and invest it one way you want to. You can buy, you can save it and buy a home later if you want to. You can actually start upgrading whatever you're doing for fun, your entertainment, whatever the case may be. But you need to start learning how to budget on your scale. And the last and the most important rule the last and most important rule when you are out here doing what you do understand the power of the penny 
not the dollar, not the dollar, understand the power of the penny. Every single penny counts when you are in your car. And I'm not saying this because you're going to take that and buy a house one day. What I'm saying is when you value a penny, valuing a dollar, $5, $10, $20 will be a lot easier. Every, every single dime, penny, nickel counts when it comes to budgeting. Learn how to value a penny. If you go somewhere and the groceries are seven cents cheaper and their grocery is just the same quality and it's the same distance away from your house, but, uh, you know, the other one, uh, maybe open later, get your butt out the bed and go somewhere where it meets your budget because you save, because remember you're budgeting out your groceries. You're spending money on those things. And that adds up. What does that add up to? Oh, I saved this much. Now I can pay myself a little bit more on the back end. I budgeted out a hundred dollars for groceries. I only spent 87. Now I got 13 more dollars to pay myself. You got to have rainy day money. There's no way you can make it through this game with having, without having rainy day money. And rainy day is not, oh, I want to go out this weekend. Let me touch the savings. Rainy day is you driving down a highway and you smell some smoke and you see your cars overheating. You need a radiator. It's $300. But you're like, oh, I'm good because I've been paying myself $100 every check so I can pay for that. Does anybody want to give up $300? Absolutely not. But you have it because you, had, you, you paid yourself first. That's the rainy day. So when it comes rain, when the rain comes, yes, it may be pouring, but you got an umbrella to slow it down. And you can take care of what you have to take care of. My bad on that rent. I didn't really get into investing uh, business projects and things of that nature because I don't think we really, um, that's the route. That's the type of question they were asking. So make sure you budget every single dollar down to saving, down to entertainment, down to, uh, you know, luxuries, necessities. Uh, gas is a bill. So if I say the same order, you get paid, you pay yourself bills, budget, because you know, your bills are a part of your budget, but you pay your bills. You budget the rest out with everything. That's not a bill that comes to your email or whatever the case may be. You budget those things out. You make sure that you pay those things. And then you find out over the next six to eight months, as you're making this good money, you got that new job, you figure out your necessities and your luxuries. So the things you absolutely need and the things that you want, and then you will value the, the, the penny. And why the penny over the dollar? Because once you value the penny, the dollar, the $5, the $10 will come. So that was topic number three, uh, money. Make sure you manage that well. And if you don't get a financial advisor, like it's like the therapy thing in our community is nothing wrong with going to see a financial advisor. If you don't know how to do it, if you don't know how to do it yourself, there are resources, there's YouTube, there's things where, where you can have people around you teach you to do what you want. Everybody wasn't brought up in households that showed you the power of the dollar. Showed you how to keep dollars in house instead of out house, you know, outside of the house. So if you don't know how to do it, absolutely get a financial advisor. And I'm going to go a step further. Try to get a financial advisor in the community that looks like you, that we can support, that does a legit job. So if if YouTube isn't enough, you took a class you didn't understand, you're still spending more than you would like, go get a financial advisor. Because sometimes we live outside of our, sometimes we live outside of our uh, our lifestyle. And it's okay. It's a learning curve. It's a learning curve. So I'm off that. Uh, good topic. Y'all got me going on that. Good topic. Oh God. <laughs> Four. Oh no. 
the one and done cheating rule. The one and done. I'm gonna drink some water to this one real quick. So what they said exactly was this: Do you think that people should only get to cheat one time and the relationship should be over? Let's define cheating real quick. And if you haven't, go back and look at tears of cheating. You know, there's emotional, there's a mental, quote unquote, emotional and physical. Let's say this, man. I'm gonna say this for the sake of this podcast and this podcast only. Um, if you're doing something that you can't do in front of your spouse. We're going to label that cheating. But when you say one and done, I don't know. Because I think uh, one and done is tough. I do believe cheating is cheating is damn near a disease. It sounds crazy, but I feel like a dis- you got to have a cure for that joint. And like sometimes it's like a cold. People don't take medicine with colds, but after a while, it just gets out your system. So that's like the people you see after a while, they don't do it no more because they don't they don't ran out. It ain't worth it anymore. It's hard to say one and done because I do believe people make mistakes. Now, does that justify people cheating on each other? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. That does not justify people cheating on each other at all. At all. However, however, uh, like, I think, I believe there's signs way before it ever happens. I don't think somebody just randomly wakes up and like, you know, let me. Now, I am talking about people that's actually committed to the relationship. I ain't talking about somebody that has a a track record of cheating all the time and you surprised they did it to you, but they done told you they last five partners they cheated on. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the people that like are actually committed. Like they don't wake up and just be like, you know what? I'm gonna make a bad, I'm gonna make a bad decision today. No, there are signs you have to talk. Uh, you may have to go to a therapist, but either way, it's just the one and done part. No, I, I just can't agree. And I thank God I'm not dealing with anything like that. I've never dealt with anything like that. But I think one and done is rough when it's genuinely a mistake. People do make mistakes. People are, uh, you know, people are not perfect. People do get in situations that they never should have been in. And they been maybe they're under the influence and things and something happened. And it ain't got to be physical always, but something happened where you know you were wrong and you couldn't do it in front of your spouse. But I don't think that warrants them being exiled out of the relationship forever. I just don't believe that because sometimes people are fighting their vices day in and day out, but they really love who they with, but they can't get over the fact that, you know, this is who I was. I don't want to be that person anymore, but I'm struggling with, with what I used to do. It's really out here like that. Now I'm not making excuses because when you cheat, you make a freaking like, like, you do make a mistake, but that doesn't take the heat off of you because you made the mistake. There are plenty of times people have made mistakes, but it was a conscious decision to make the mistake. It's such a thin line when it comes to this cheating stuff, y'all. It's such a thin line. Like, like, and I'm not, and I'm truly not making an excuse for anybody that's ever, anybody that's ever cheated. I'm not, but there, you can get in a bad emotional and mental headspace and really truly not be yourself really not be yourself and when you're not yourself you really don't know how you will react to stuff the number one thing to avoid it is you got to have a conversation with your spouse you have to have a conversation with your spouse you and there's no and and you know i don't know how cool it still is to get married in this day and age but if you're in a long-term relationship and y'all really you know doing y'all daggone thing and trying to get it together there is no reason why you shouldn't Cheating should never even come across your mind if you haven't 
if 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 you're having those conversations when you're feeling whatever way you're feeling, because if you're doing that and it's not changing, walk away. And that way ain't got to be on your conscience. Walk away. If you're talking to your spouse about what's going wrong and you don't like this or they don't like this, whatever the case may be, and it's not getting better and it's been six months, you can walk away. Because I can guarantee you cheating does not help the situation. Cheating, is, it, it never will. It will only overcomplicate the situation and everybody that thinks that you can hide it, it's not even worth it. Like if you really locked in with somebody, you don't even have time to do it. If you're really locked in with somebody who, if you're really locked in with somebody and y'all are like, I can't say no better way, you're really locked in and you're really doing everything you're supposed to do for your lady or for your, for your man, whatever the case may be, you don't even have time to do that stuff. You really don't because you, because you're really pouring your all into somebody. You don't even have time to think about what it's like to do all these other things. So in that instance, it really should never become a problem. The only thing I see with the one and done cheating thing is if you have shout out to Judge Lynn Toller if you listen to this. She may not be, but I'm gonna shout her out anyway. Like she calls it a rough transition. And I was reading her book. So like a rough transition is like if one of you all were dating somebody and you all broke up, it was a legit broke up. You know, y'all legitly broke up, you're broken up, and then you start dating your spouse or whatever, but uh like you're still trying to cut that person off, but you're not with them because you're with them for a long time, whatever the case may be. There's a rough transition. A lot of times when that happens, people don't draw clear boundaries because they're trying to get closure on different situations. So it opens up the door for some nonsense to happen. So if you do some nonsense in that window and your spouse takes you back and then you do something else, like the one and the one and done rule may come into effect like Carmelo. A minute 33, we're going we're gonna to holler at Carmela for a second. Whatever allegedly happened on that boat, I don't know. Allegedly, whatever happened. I just think it was a bad look. Like, if you have messed up before, if you messed up before, don't put yourself in situations where you're going to have to answer all the crazy questions because I don't care how much trust you gain back. I don't care how much they love you now. I don't care about any of that. The second you put yourself in a familiar situation that they've been, that gives them a nightmare, you're going to get checked on it. And you should get checked on it because if you care about their peace of mind, if you care about their peace of mind, you're not out here putting yourself in that situation to make them think like that. And people always, always like, but what? I thought you trust me. I get that. I do get that. But that's like, why do you think people have abandonment issues from when they were five years old to daggone uh you know 30 so it's it's traumatic if you cheat on somebody it can be very traumatic and they not understand exactly what was going on and then like when they find out it hurts them so when they see something similar to that it takes them back to that place so like don't even like don't even put yourself in that position because i'm telling you it caused so much turmoil that you do not want and again if you're locked in with somebody you wouldn't even think to put those put them in those type of situations where you will be constantly have to have headaches because you're not doing anything, but you're not smart enough not to put yourself in a position to look like you're doing anything. So do I believe in a one and done cheating rule? I'm going to have to say no. Uh, I'm going to have to say no. I am not for cheating by any stretch of the imagination. I think people don't lay clear boundaries around what cheating is to them. And people assume that everything that they do is good if you never tell them. Example, 
if I have lady friends and we're cool, say we used to mess around, but we're cool now. She got a boyfriend. I'm dating uh, my girlfriend. My girlfriend never says like, hey, I don't like when you text her because y'all used to have Dylan's. And I'm like, hey, we cool now. If she never says that, but she's feeling away, it's going to come out in your actions. And if something happens, uh, if something happens in that relationship, and it may not even deal with that, it's just going to make her think like, mm, I already told you I didn't like it. And now you're doing something similar to it. You just got to double up because there was no boundary set from the jump. And if you and you and the other girl, if y'all really truly are friends and you really doing what you're supposed to do, it wouldn't be a problem back. It wouldn't be a problem bagging back. Like, nah, okay, that's cool. I respect what she's saying. Da da da. I'm cool. They have. Uh, no, I don't think nobody gonna. <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> I don't think nobody gonna go meet. I don't think no girl gonna meet no girl that. Or, or I don't think anybody gonna go meet a spouse that they. I don't think any spouse is going to meet their somebody their spouse has had dealings with. I do not think that happened. I think that's the dumbest thing in the world. But the one and done rule, I cannot say I'm with that. I'm sorry. Don't cheat, obviously, but the one and done rule is a little far-fetched. It's a little far-fetched. Um, so moving right along, where we at? Uh, we did managing finances, one and done rule co-parenting i'm not gonna make this stand really long long story short long story short i think co-parenting begins with this instead of people try to have fun which is sex have a lot of fun do a lot of crazy stuff and when you do that you're not thinking about is this person deserving of being my child's other parent i'm talking about i'm talking about situations where you you may be dating and you may not be that far along in the game, but you ain't protecting yourself and you're six, seven weeks into the game and you don't understand that this person right now is not, you know what I'm saying? I got to know you more before I make the decision if I want to procreate with you. Now, I think you should be married. Don't get me wrong. I'm old school with it. Get married first because when you marry somebody, you know you want to be with them. But I think the problem with co-parenting now, people never really... Most of the time, people never really saw that person as their child's other parent. So a lot of disagreements come in hand because you never had them conversations like, what it'll be like raising your kids? You never had those conversations like, uh, what's your beliefs? What's your values? What's your morals? How are you raised? How do you feel about this? Uh, well, you, like Those things matter when it comes to co-parenting. Now, I hate it. I absolute hate when two, I don't care what reason you got married. Cause if you wasn't ready, you shouldn't have got married on both ends. I hate when married people, uh, separate and they're not able to co-parent. Now I get that. There's a lot of emotion involved. I truly understand that, but I'm sorry. If you're an adult, you have to be emotionally mature, have conversations and put the freaking child first, bro. There's no way around that. There is no way around that. There's no way around that. Put the kid first. If we've been married and we and we've had a child and we tried and it didn't work out, there is no way. I don't care what it was. I'm never going to penalize an innocent life because of what we have going on. And the first thing you should do is talk about what gives the child the best chance. What gives the child the best chance to make it uh, with us in two separate places? Sometimes that requires a hard decision. Like, hey. I don't really have, say, if I left the house to my spouse 
and I'm like, hey, I'm going to find another place right now. He, it takes a very mature person. Like, hey, right now here, she needs to stay with you. I'm, I, you know, we'll communicate on visiting. I will always come visit my child. I got to get it together before I have a home for them. But if say if she cheated on me and we didn't work out, we tried to we tried to work it out. It didn't work. And we're about to leave. If we make a decision to leave, if we make a decision to leave, there's no way that I can continue to hold that cheating against her because we tried to work it out. It didn't work. And then we made a decision to go our separate ways. We made a decision to go our separate ways, bro. That's what it is. So if once we made a decision to go our separate ways, you separate ways, you have to put that line right there in the mud. No, I'm not doing this anymore. Uh, we are strictly for the child. And the boundary is set. There's no more, hey girl, what's up? What you doing? Uh, let's do it here and now. Because I'm gonna tell you why. When parents still be mingling, and then they see the other parent talking to somebody else, and they like, what? And you're like, oh, but we're not together. But you're still dipping in the pot, bro. Put the child first. I think co-parenting is the most, it's simple, but it ain't easy. It's simple, but it is not easy. And it's not easy because people don't have mature conversations about what they should be doing and why they should be doing it. They just simply don't have those conversations. They don't. And they don't think about the child first. They don't think about the child first. Why? Because it's all about the selfish things that you want because you felt like in the relationship you didn't get this. If you didn't complain in the, I shouldn't say complain. If you didn't bring it up in the relationship, if you didn't, if you didn't make it known why y'all was going through it, don't try to make it a thing now afterwards. That's not cool. Like, just don't do that. Don't make it a thing afterwards. I don't think, I don't think that's, a thing that will help a thing that will help the co-parenting situations because a lot of times if you look I was reading this article the other day it was like 47% of co-parenting situations never discussed being co-parents they just broke up and it was like I'm gonna do what I gotta do for my child no we taking it back to eighth grade agendas books calendars on this day he or she has this uh, I need you here on this day. On this day, you got to pick them up. This is your week to pick them up. We going back to the nitty gritty, damn near signing a contract about what we need to be done, what needs to be done and how it should be done. And the number one rule of co-parenting is, is this. If you don't want to co-parent with somebody and you don't see the, and you haven't met the person that you want to have a child by, 1-800-WRAP-IT-UP. If you are with somebody and they cool and you having fun and you vibing out and you doing what you do being an adult, but you don't want to be with that person, 1-800-WRAP-IT-UP. We live in a world where sex is just like recreational and everybody just want to do it, but don't nobody want to do it with a consequence. Don't nobody want to deal with the consequence. It's craziness. So a lot of times co-parenting relationships are doomed from the beginning. It will. It, I don't understand how people lay down with people unprotected within like days or weeks of knowing them. Outside of the disease, like, bro, if you make a life out of something, I don't even know your life. I don't even know your family. I don't even know your family, which is going to be my child's family. And let's be super G. You got all these situations where you got all these situations where people don't. You got all these situations where people have kids and they don't talk about the nitty gritty. They only stay on the surface area of things. So when you don't really talk about it, values, religion, uh, school daycare the nitty-gritty thing it creates a problem because i'm not talking to you about the daycare 
and where my child wants to go and uh, things of that nature. What in the world? So when it's $400 a week, because my, my, I don't even want to say my baby, my child's mother picked it, but we never talked about the budget for daycare. It's going to cause a ripple in our co-parenting relationship. So co-parenting can be done. It is very, it's, it's simple, but it's not easy, but you got to have structure in a conversation like adults do. And understand when I say adults, if you 16, 17, 18, 19, you know, young adult, whatever the case may be, if you decide to do what grown folks do and you have a child, you just became an adult. Don't nobody want to hear that BS because you can't be a kid when it's fun. I mean, you can't be an adult when it's fun and then be a kid when it get real. That's just not the way it works. So, man, those are the spills. I did nesting, toxic family relationships, money, the one and done cheating rule and co-parenting. Uh, y'all let me know what you think, man. Please, please, please inbox me more ideas. I'm going to start doing this at least once a month, man. I appreciate you all rocking with me. Let's just really get these subjects out here and have these have these conversations because we can't keep killing off our own and the community not having conversations that need to be had. So, uh, again, the the live panel uh, podcast is really going to come into play, man. I'm really looking for six to eight individuals who are diverse in thinking, really willing to have those tough conversations and be authentic and have entertainment at the same time, man. The location is forthcoming. I really, really, really want to get. I really, really want to get people onto that, man. It's going to happen before the year is out. Millennials versus the World podcast. I'm out, man.